Hello, my name is Nora, and I'm making these audios right now, these podcasts pretty much, because I'm currently studying for the MCATs and planning for a really high score. So I'm making these audios and with teaching myself this information so that when I'm walking, working out, or whatever I'm doing, I can just con- consistently listen back to this, these audios and learn a lot. I'm going to be posting them so that way if anybody stumbles upon them, they can learn from it as well or feel free to message me and tell me that I got something wrong, which hopefully I won't because I'll be using materials and not pretty much going from memory. I'll be going through notes that I made and going through the Kaplan books and a lot of videos and information online. So we'll see how it goes. The videos are going to start out really rough until I get a good like idea on how I want to set it up and style it and organize my train of thought. But as of now, I'm just going to be teaching myself. These are just for me. But if anyone hears them, then yeah, that's great. I hope they help you too. Hello, so this is the first audio that I'm going to do. And I'm just going to go over my notes. Um, and it will be really rough because this is my first time going over these notes and it is for a chapter that I am still trying to completely finalize and explain to myself better. So it's going to get better, but it's okay. I'm going to start with a hard, really, really hard biochemistry chapter about the carbohydrate metabolism. So first, I'm going to explain the things that I have learned through the reading the Kaplan book and looking at Crash Course and Khan and Khan Academy videos. So glycolysis is two ATPs you need to invest first before you can get a result. So you invest two ATPs into to start glycolysis, and then as a return on investment. Four ATPs are produced, so that means a total of two ATP gain. Um, and you get two pyruvate, two NADH, and that NADH is used to make more ATP. So glycolysis does not need O2, and it is anaerobic. Just so you know, what all of this is and why we even have glycolysis is because we want to convert glucose into energy. And in order for us to unlock glucose and break it into energy, we're going to need to go through three steps, which is the first one is glycolysis, second one is curb cycle, and first one is the electron transfer chain. Energy, the energy, pretty much the money of the cell, is ATP. It is the currency of the cell. It is why we have mitochondria. And like the purpose of the mitochondria is to help us with unlocking the energy from the cells such as glucose. So each glucose molecule gives us 38 ATP and I'm just going to dive into how we get that 38. So as I said, first we do glycolysis, the anaerobic process, and it gives us the 2 ATP and it also so it gives us 2 ATP total and which is actually 4 ATP, but we say 2 just because we are not going to count the 2 ATPs we put in in the beginning as an investment. And then it also gives us 2 pyruvate and 2 NADH. 
Um, this occurs in the cytoplasm. And then we move on to the curb cycle. So from the curb cycle, we're get, it's is a continuation. It happens in the inner mitochondrial membrane. So the really um, curvy one kind of looks like a wrinkled membrane inside of the, the outer mitochondrial membrane. So across that membrane, the two pyruvates from glycolysis gets turned into two ATP plus NAD plus four NADH and four FADH. Um, another th way to really talk about and something important to say is pyruvate. Um, let's imagine it as three molecules, three three little pieces. So one of those pieces gets oxidized and breaks off. So that carbon gets oxidized and it becomes becomes CO two. And what we're left with from that pyruvate molecule is an acetyl-CoA. Acetyl-CoA is very important, and I'm going to talk a lot more about it. So acetyl-CoA then gets converted, converted into ATP and CO2 as well. And NAD plus is just the deprenidated version of NADH. And NAD plus and NADH consistently um, start uh, throughout these mechanisms we are either input in NADH and then it gets depronated to unlock energy or the opposite happens. It just depends on what happens for each step of the cycle. And so for one pyruvate, it gives us three NADH and one FADH. Um, so this is things to talk about in the curb cycle. Also, the curb cycle is aerobic. Um, if we are doing glycolysis and we cannot do an aerobic um, process after, we will not be going into the curb cycle. Instead, we'll be going into fermentation and um, a different type of anaerobic cycle that I'll talk more about as well. So now as a result, as I said, through the curb cycle, we have the two ATPs and 4-NADH and 4-FADH. So now we're ready to move on to something else that is going to happen in the uh, inner mitochondrial membrane. This is actually quite fascinating. Um, I watched an animation online on YouTube about um, the energy, how it gets, um, how we unlock energy from the uh, protonation and dephosphorylation and how that energy is then used in the electron transportation. It's just very mind-blowing. So... A very simplified way to describe it. Imagine three. Um, uh, so three ion gates, and when we have these NADH or FADH, they are losing their their proton, and that proton is traveling through the gate, um, outside of the inner mitochondrial membrane. And when it travels, when it is traveling out, it is unlocking energy. And every time it like jumps a level to, to seek a more um, favored level, energy level, it is energy is being released. And these electrons then, because of that, these electrons release enough energy that all these three will work to, to um, pretty much give that energy to ATP synthase. ATP synthase is the, uh, the gate that um, forces these uh, um, electrons or uh, protons, something I need to look at, whether it's electrons or protons, I think it's protons, I'm pretty sure it's protons, against the, uh, the ion gradient. And 
Um, it also then gives us ATP by phosphorylating the original ATP that did not have that, um, that did not have that f- uh, third phosphate. So um, at the end, what we have is we have multiple ACP molecules that were created in the inner mitochondrial membrane through this very interesting and very impressive electron transport chain that through deprotonation, we get energy. That energy then gives us um, a protonation, it gives us energy to, for ATP synthase to phosphorylate um, and give us ATPs. So we work through electron transport chain. It is so impressive that we get 34 ATPs through it. So 34 ATPs plus the four ATPs that we made in the curbs, like the two from the curb cycle, the two from glycolysis, that's a total of 38 ATP. And that's how one glucose molecule gets converted into that. Um, I am explaining this through looking at the board that I made. So um, for me, this is a note for me, it's just, it would be helpful for me to look at the scan that I made of the board and it's gonna be in my Excel sheet or in my notes. Okay, so this is the through the board. Now I'm gonna go and dive into my notes through the Ken Academy book. So it is chapter nine, carbohydrates metabolism. Okay. All right, so um, what I see here is first, there are two transporters for glucose transporters. We have the GLUT2 and we have GLUT4. So GLUT2 captures the excess glucose primarily for storage, and it is a low affinity transporter in the hypocytus and pancreatic cells. Um, Hepatocytes, I believe, are um, cells within our liver. And pancreatic cells, that's self-explanatory, it's pancreas. Um, so yes, well, after a meal, the blood travels through the hepatic portal vein from the intestine, and it is rich in glucose. And as I said, that GLUT2 captures the excess glucose and uses it for storage. Um, so the, uh, when the glucose concentration drops below the KM, um, much of the remainder bypasses the liver and enters a peripheral circulation, the remainder glucose. So KM is, uh, the, is the concentration of a substrate when an enzyme is active half of its maximum velocity, so Vmax. So the lower the KM, the higher the enzyme's affinity for the substrate. All right. So in other words, the liver will pick up excess glucose and store it, preferentially after a meal. And when the glucose levels are high, the and the B islet cells of the pancreas and GLUT2, as well as the glycolytic enzymes, serve as the glucose sensor for insulin release. Now let's talk about GLUT4. So GLUT4, as I said, is in the adipose tissue and the muscle, and it responds to glucose concentrations in the peripheral blood. Um, 
So now I'm gonna do a quick side-by-side -side comparison of GLUT2 and GLUT4. So GLUT2 is in the hepatocyte cells and in the pancreatic cells tissue, while GLUT4 is in the adipose tissue, which is the muscles. Um, so KM, it's in GLUT2, KM is high and higher than 15 millimeters or small m, big M, while GLUT4, it is low and it is 5 mm and it is near the normal glucose levels in the blood. Um, so saturated, um, GLUT2 is not saturated at normal glucose levels, while GLUT4 is saturated at normal glucose levels, like normal glucose levels in the blood. GLUT2 is not responsive to insulin, but it does, but it does detect glucose and causes insulin release from beta IL, uh, B cells in the pancreas, um, and GLUT4 is responsive to insulin. So I'm going to talk about right now how insulin promotes glucose entry into the cells. So GLUT2, GLUT4, my bad, GLUT4 saturated when glucose raises above the 5 mm. And after that, the only way to let more glucose into the cell is by insulin. So when it is GLUT4 is saturated, the only way that you can actually lead, leave more, let more glucose back into the cell is through insulin. And causing a pre-grouped um, pre and GLUT4, GLUT4, it causes the pre-grouped GLUT4 to fuse to the membrane. And GLUT4, the way to describe it, is it's kind of like a 4 um four molecules almost like gates binded to each other and um, they do bind to the membranes and glute 2 um it has there are a lot when it when it binds to the membranes it almost pretty much becomes a gate when it binds to the membranes so yeah and the endocytosis of GLUT4 is when these gates become the four molecules binded together, almost like think of an X. Um, and um, exocytosis is when that X separates into the four gates and then embeds itself in the membrane. These are so important because insulin it regu insulin regulation of the glucose transports and in the muscle cells of adipose tissue. Forget this last sentence, I, I realized I completely misphrased it. All right, so now I'm going to move on to the Khan Academy notes on glycolysis. So all cells can carry out glycolysis, which is important, but... Um, you should know that it happens in the cytoplasm, as I talked about before. Um, so, um, let's see, I'm trying to not say things that I already said. So I'm just going to say something that is really important for the MCAT to know is about glycolysis, because glycolysis is a high yield project, is that the, the rate limits and steps of the reactions are really important to know. So let's look at the glute, the glycolysis rate limits and steps. 
when I am looking at the transport chain, the transport and the glycolysis mechanisms, there are a lot of enzymes and a lot of steps. So glucose is transported and like uh through into the cytoplasm and stays glucose and then ATP is added, the first ATP is added, turned into ADP, and then we get to the glucose six phosphate. Isomerase then transfers it to be um isomerase then say changes that glucose six phosphate into fructose and then the fructose six phosphate is changed using the PFK is changed PFK2 is changed into glucose 26 uh bit is 26B phosphate so the difference between the two is fructose 6B is converted into fructose 26B and it is with this is a rate limiting step and it is with PFK2 and with insulin um Fructose 6P is also translated, so it can either become fructose 26BP, like phosphate, or fructose 6P can become fructose 16B phosphate. So it can either become 26B phosphate or 16B phosphate. The difference is what we use to convert it. Both of these are rate limiting steps. Steps the one six actually is the more favored because that's the one that gives us the pyruvate and therefore like lets us have a lot more ATP. But so what I'm understanding right now from the chart that I'm looking at is fructose six P phosphate. Insulin converts it using the PFK two into fructose two six B. And then that fructose 2,6B can then go and help with converting the initial fructose into fructose 1,6B with PFK1, the phosphofructokinase 1. That's the, the enzyme that helps with this conversion. We either have one or two. Uh, one is, gives us 1,6B phosphate and two gives us 2,6B phosphate. And again, this step is where we use that second ATP that we invest into the glycolysis reaction. So moving forward, there are a lot of steps happen. Um, ATP and citrate inhibit the AMP, uh, in, uh, inhibit, inhibits these steps. The step, the rate limiting step, while AMP activates it. It makes sense that um ATP and uh, and citrate are inhibitors because they are pretty much the the substrate, the the product of uh, what we get from these reactions. While AMP, um, are is an activator. It activates it, and we do not need. Uh, glycolysis if we have enough energy so therefore when we do have that ATP we do not need glycolysis so it inhibits that step okay so now let's take a look so the glute for the transporters glute 2 and glute 4 as I said they're not always bound to the to the membrane they go and bind to the membrane later on and when glucose travels through those binded transporters um, the transporters, aka like the way I see them, the ligands, um, that is where um, that is what like helps with gluco glycolysis being triggered and helps 
but but if we do have ATP or we have any of like ATP or, or uh, lactic acid um, or citrate, that will cause uh, this glycolysis not to occur. Okay. So let's see. Again, knowing the phosphofructokinases is really important because they are uh, the phosphofructokinase 1, phosphofructokinase 2, because they are the rate-limiting enzyme. All right. Um, so in fermentation, NADH is converted into NAD+, which again, we use NAD+, um, we use NAD plus with and NADH in the electron transport chain to give us ATPs. Okay. So, uh, something to say also is that in yeast cells, fermentation is con is the conversion of pyruvate, and pyruvate is three carbons to ethanol, which is two carbons, and carbon dioxide, which is one carbon. The two carbons, the ethanol, is the acetyl-CoA. Um, while the end products are different, the results of both mammalian and yeast fermentation is the same, which is replenishing us with NAD+. Okay, the, there are... So this is time for a mnemonic. So the, the irreversible steps of glycolysis, we have four enzymes to know. And the best way to memorize these four enzymes that are irreversible steps are, this is the mnemonic, how glycolysis pushes forward the process kinase. How, the, how, how glycolysis pushes forward the process? It's through kinases. So hexo, how, it's H, hexokinase. G is glycolysis. So uh, G, how glycolysis, second word is G, so it's glucokinase. Pushes, third word is P, so it's PFK1, which is pushes forward, so PF. The process, process is this word letter P, pyruvate, and Kinases, it's the letter K, kinase, so pyruvate kinase. So the four enzymes are hexokinase, glucokinase, PFK1, pyruvate kinase. And these are irreversible enzymes for the irreversible steps of glycolysis. Okay, um, erythrocytes are, is blood. There you go, red blood cells is erythrocytes. Okay, so now we're going to talk about the effects of the two bisphosphoglycerates on hemoglobin A. This is a mouthful to say, so I'm just going to briefly talk about what I understood from this. So, um, 
So other physiological stages in the body promotes a right shift of the oxygen disassociation curve. And what causes that is a high 2-3 BPG or a low pH or a high hydrogen uh, concentration or a high PCO2. So like a good way to remember it is exercise is the right thing to do. Remember, right, right, aka pushes the curve to the right, so a right shift. All right. Now let's gonna let we'll look at the functions of those four important enzymes that we talked about. Hexokinase. The function of it is it converts glucose to glucose 6-phosphate and it traps glucose in the cell through phosphorylation. It is regulated and it is hexokinase is inhibited by products of uh, by the products of glucose to phosphate and it is irreversible of course. The second one so how glycolysis pushes forward the process kinases. The second one is G, letter G, so glucokinase. The function of glucokinase is it traps glucose in the liver, it stops it from leaving the liver and the pancreatic cells through phosphorylation. Pretty much think of it this way. So when glucose enters the liver or the pancreatic cells, glycokinase runs to that glucose and puts a key on it, which is the phosphate group. Once it has that key, it is no longer, it is too big, it can no longer go back out of the liver and the pancreas. And it is insulin-reduced glucokinase, which is, makes sense. Insulin um, c- controls how much glucose and glucose concentrations in the liver and pancreatic cells. And of course, again, all of these are irreversible steps. And then we have the P, so how glycolysis pushes forward, so the PF, it's PFK1, which is the phosphofructokinase 1, the function uh, enzyme for the rate limiting step, it uh, it is the enzyme for the rate limiting step that we talked about, converts the fructose 1, I can't, I'm going to look at it, look back at that page so yeah it converts fructose 6b into fructose 16b bis i don't know what bis is and p so which is phosphate so it converts the fructose 6b to fructose 16 bis phosphate and um it uses atp which is something to really remember. It uses that second ATP that we need and put into glycolysis as our investment. It is regulated. It is regulated by uh, ATP inhibits it, citrate inhibits it, glucagon inhibits it, which are the products of the glycolysis cycle. And it is activated by AMP, fructose 2,3-biphosphate, and insulin. Um, the fructose 2,3-biphosphate is a substrate. And um, let's see here. All right. The third one, the third, or my bad. Uh, let's see. 
the third the fourth <laughs> the fourth irreversible enzyme is remember the mnemonic how glycolysis pushes forward the process kinases the third the fourth enzyme is pushes uh process kinases which is pyruvate kinase okay so the function of it it's substrate level phosphorylation that's what pyruvate kinase does it's a substrate level phosphorylation like it would phosphorylate pep to adp and gives us pyruvate and atp are and the regulation it is regulated by and inhibited by fructose 1,6 biphosphate it is irreversible as well now we're going to talk about two very important reversible enzymes so um i i'm looking at my notes and it looks like i need to double check something before i give myself a wrong information so bear with me All right, so the another reversible enzyme is, the first reversible enzyme that is important to know is glyceraldehyde 3-phosphate dehydrogenase. Its function is it phosphorylates and makes NADH. It is, as I said, reversible. The other second and really important enzyme to know is 3-phosphoglycerate kinase. The function of it is it phosphorylation. It's phosphorylation of the substrate level, and uh, la, 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 la. I think I talked about this one. The, it is reversible anyway, and it is one that converts. Um. The oh no, I did not talk about it. Oof, I feel good. Okay, I'm on track. So 3-phosphoglycerate kinase is the second reversible enzyme that is important to know. It also phosphorylates at the substrate level and it converts 1,3-biphosphate to ADP and gives us 3-phosphorylation and ATP. So now we're just going to briefly talk about, um, briefly skim through other monosaccharides. So in the intestine, Lactose is converted into, using lactase, is converted into glucose and galactose. Um, so lactase is found in the duodenum, which is the first part of the intestine. That galactose then in the blood, go, travels into the blood vessels and is then converted into, in our eyes, sometimes it converts into um, galactitol and that is in the lens of our eyes and I don't think this is important to know so I'm just going to skip over the enzymes and that to know but uh, but when it goes to this blood this blood goes to the liver brain or other issues or other tissues ATP goes in which is then converted into ADP and it gives us in the long run where in the liver brain and other tissues galactose is converted into glycolysis uh, into glucose and or goes through glycolysis all right an important source of galactose in the diet is the disaccharide lactose and it is present present in milk 
All right, important enzymes to know from the two, from the pathway I just talked about, which starts in the intestine, blood, then brain, which uh, converts lactose into glucose, um, is galactokinase and galactose-1-phosphate uridyl transferase. So galactokinase, both of these are happen in the are found in the liver brain and um, other tissues and these so the galactokinase converts galactose into galactose one phosphate and uses one atp the galactose one phosphate is then converted using the second importance enzyme to know which is galactose one p uridyl transferase and that one gives us glucose one a gal- from galactose 1p we have glucose 1p and then that glucose then gets converted 1p gets converted into the regular glucose and that glucose goes into the glycolysis um the glycolysis goes into glycolysis now let's talk about fructose metabolism fructose is found in honey and fruits and we know fructose um as a it is another disaccharide okay so sucrose also three places intestine blood and liver and kidney so sucrose um using sucrase is converted either directly gives us two things sucrose um go gives us glucose and fructose fructose is a chemical like glucose this i'm going to say this from old biochem memory fructose is a five-membered drink while glucose is a six-membered drink okay so fructose from the intestine then gets absorbed into the blood and uh, in the liver and kidney fructose is converted into fruit is converted into fructose one phosphate it gets phosphorylated using the fructokinase that phosphorylated fructose is then um with uh, is then converted by aldolase b into glyceraldehyde uh, or DHAP, two things not important for me to know. At the end of the day, in the liver and kidney, fructose is phosphorylated, then goes through more reactions to give us, uh, to give us, uh, to go into three very important change, uh, three very important uh, uh, steps, which is it goes into glycolysis, glycogenesis, or glyconeogenesis. So. Before we move on, we're just going to talk about um, the uh, two things to know, which is the enzyme responsible for trapping glucose in the cell is galactokinase. And the enzyme that links the two pathways between galactose the galactose metabolism and the glycolysis that enzyme that the linking enzyme is galactose 1-phosphate uridylose um so the enzyme that is responsible for trapping fructose so the first one i talked about was galactose the fruit the enzyme responsible for trapping fructose is fructokinase um and the one that is responsible, the enzyme responsible for linking the two uh, pathways, again, the two metabolic pathways is uh, aldolase B. 
So the trapping enzyme is pretty much the same for the two. The first one is for galactose is galactokinase, for fructose is fructokinase. The second one is a little different. So the linking enzyme for the for galactose is galactose 1-phosphate uridylase, while the linking enzyme is aldolase B. Okay. So now I'm going to talk about pyruvate dehydrogenase. Okay, so pyruvate dehydrogenase is in the liver, and in the liver it is activated by insulin, and in the nervous system it uh, is not responsive to the is not responsive to hormones. So that means I believe that even like in the nervous system, insulin would not be able to activate pyruvate dehydrogenase. And it makes sense because high levels, um, high insulin levels to the liver that the individual is well fed. Thus, the liver should not only burn glucose for energy, but shift the fatty acid equilibrium towards production and storage rather than oxidation. I read that part word by word, if you can tell, but I'm just going to try to explain it in my own words. That pretty much it's if we uh, it, high levels of insulin shows us that we're already full and we do not really we do not really need to burn more glucose for energy. All right, let's move a little more. Um, so glucose is converted in through glycolysis into pyruvate. Pyruvate dehydrogenase is a very important enzyme. It converts pyruvate into acetyl-CoA and that acetyl-CoA is converted into, uh, is converted into the CO2 or H2O through the citric acid cycle or um, it is converted into fatty acids through fatty acid synthesis. Okay, so pyruvate dehydrogenase, again, is inhibited by its the substrate, which the product, which is acetyl-CoA. It's inhibited by the product, which is acetyl-CoA. And let's take a look. So pyruvate, let's see, I'm going to say the, the, like what three things can happen to pyruvate. First, pyruvate could turn into oxaloacetate, the acetyl uh, oxaloacetate, and that happens using pyruvate carbocyclase enzyme. Or pyruvates can turn into acetyl-CoA with the PDH. I think that is the, the uh, pyruvate dehydrogenase, the one that I've been talking about, the step I've been talking about. Pyruvate could also turn into lactate, and that is through lactate dehydrogenase. Uh, from memory, I'm going to say it would turn into lactate if it was more of an anaerobic, um, an anaerobic uh, process because of a lack of oxygen. Now, what are the reactants of the pyruvate dehydrogenase complex? small break to help silver my cats okay okay so
So what are the reactants of the pyruvate dehydrogenase complex and what are the products? So the reactants for pyruvate dehydrogenase, in order for us to get the, the results, we first need pyruvate. We also need NAD+. This is really, really important that I feel like I didn't talk about enough. Is in For pyruvate to give us acetyl-CoA, we need not only pyruvate dehydrogenase, which is the enzyme, we also need NAD plus to be inputted into that reaction, and we also need CoA. Um, then that CoA gets converted and we get the acetyl-CoA as our product. We get NADH, which is the, we just um, protonated the NAD plus, and we get CO2. Okay, and I talked about that before in the very nice introduction that I gave, which is the three carbonated pyruvate, one of them gets oxidized and that one carbon becomes CO2. And so acetyl-CoA um, affects PDH, which is pyruvate dehydrogenates, by, by inhibiting it. And it is to prevent more pyruvate to be formed once if we have already have acetyl-CoA. Why do we need the pyruvate dehydrogenase to keep producing pyruvate? Now that was half or almost half of the ninth chapter of biochemistry, which is a complicated high yield chapter. I'm going to take a break and we'll talk about it in the next episode. And I'm going to start. It's 9.5 of the Khan Academy books.